Three of the four largest bank collapses in US history have happened in the last two months. With First Republic Bank the latest to fold, should we be getting worried about another financial crisis? Well, let me explain. Let me explain with Sean Defoe, a News Talk original. Oh, even saying the words financial crisis still send a shiver up my spine. There are a couple of episodes we've done in the past that you might want to go back and listen to as additional reading, additional listening for this one. If you scroll back for our cryptocurrency explainer and the one on the economics of rising interest rates both play a role in what we're talking about today because there is what's being described as a mid-level banking crisis going on. Three US banks have failed since March. They are the second, third and fourth fourth largest in US history behind only Washington Mutual which collapsed in 2008 and on top of that Credit Suisse being bought by its biggest domestic rival. It's been a rough month for banking. Four decades after its creation, Silicon Valley Bank was the 16th largest bank in the US. It took just a day and a half for it to fall apart. It started with Silicon Valley Bank and the first term that you should know that we're going to be talking about quite a bit because it is involved in the collapse of all of these banks is a run on the banks. No doubt you have heard of it before. It's one of the oldest and most lethal things which could happen to a financial institution. Customers lose confidence in the bank to still hold their money so they take it out and they put it elsewhere, bring it to another bank, stuff it in the mattress wherever. Either way it means that the bank doesn't have that money and can't then do everything else that bank usually does because banks don't just sit on your money it isn't like Gringotts Bank in Harry Potter where all your money is piled up in an individual vault guarded by some sort of goblin employed by Bank of Ireland or AIB Mr Harry Potter wishes to make a withdrawal and does Mr Harry Potter have his key Instead, rules require banks to have a certain amount of their deposits, i.e. your money, on hold and in reserve for paying out day-to-day, usually with the central bank, which does have, in theory, a large pile of gold which may or may not be guarded by a fire-breathing dragon. What did he promise you? A share of the treasure? As if it was his to give. I will not part with a single toy. Not one piece of it. The rest of your money, though, they use to make more money. Some of these deposits will be taken to offer mortgages, for example, and the bank charges, say, 4% on a mortgage loan while offering you 0.1% interest on your deposit. So they make money on your money, really, in the margins there. And it was one of the most depressing things for me when we did manage to get a mortgage looking just how much we're going to be paying back in interest I would suggest you sort of have a very stiff drink ready whenever you get your your mortgage offer if you are planning to get one the bank wagers usually correctly that while you might want access to your money at any one point in time the vast majority of people won't unless of course there is a run on the banks Another thing that banks do with your money, which is fed into these collapses, is they invest, sometimes, into bonds. The cold winter has apparently not affected the orange harvest. Well, what is a bond, you may ask? You've heard of stocks and bonds. Bonds, stocks are shares in a company, part ownership of a business. Government-issued bonds, though, are different, and they're actually usually seen as more safe. 
Every so often, a government tries to raise money on the markets to pay for public spending on things like roads or housing or whatever. If you agree to give that government some of your money, they then pay you back with interest over a certain amount of time. So let's say you put in a thousand euro and in three years that government would agree to give you that money back plus three percent. The returns are generally lower than what you might get investing in the stock market, but they're guaranteed if you keep your money in, whereas you could lose all your money investing in stocks. Their prices go up and down with great fluctuations, whereas bonds typically don't change all that much once you have locked into your agreement as well. So as long as the government is there, you will get your payment back. And people are fairly happy to make that bet that the US government, for example, is still going to exist and be paying out in 5 or 10 or 20 years. Banks also invest in bonds on a much bigger level than individual investors might, which is fine and sensible. Unless, of course, you need your money in a hurry. And you've heard that phrase that if you are going to start investing, you only put in what you won't need yourself in the next five years. It's money that isn't easy to get access to, or if you put it into shares, could lose their value. So you shouldn't put in what you need immediately. And it's somewhat similar with the banks. It's a hedge or a bet that they make. Silicon Valley Bank had billions invested in bonds in recent years, and it was also heavily invested in the tech sector and in cryptocurrency, both of which had really bad years in 2022. Here's tech entrepreneur Pat Phelan explaining what exactly SVB did. It's the banker of startups. And, you know, when people think of startups, they think of, you know, one or two guys starting a company. But this was a major problem for everybody. You know, there was companies like Roku, the video streaming company, had half a billion in there. Um, Circle Financial, which is one of the big stable coins, um, had 3.3 billion in there. This is a very large issue that probably could have caused major contagion. And with many of the companies that SVB had invested in now cash-strapped, they came looking for their deposits to pay the bills. The withdrawals got so large that Silicon Valley Bank had to start selling some of its own assets to meet demand and pay out the money. So they sold their bonds. But rising interest rates had reduced the value of those bonds, as ones being issued now had higher rates and they were more valuable on the overall market. And as SVB was selling these bonds before maturity, what was once a safe asset that could have guaranteed them 3% or 4% or whatever it was in 20 years' time, they actually had to sell at a loss. This led to a run on the bank with more and more customers taking out their money as the bank looked less and less safe, ultimately leading to bank regulators swooping in to guarantee deposits and to ensure customers didn't lose money when they went to take it out, but there was nothing there. Regulators were trying to stop a wider run on the banks and mostly succeeded, though there was another immediate casualty. As we noted, Signature Bank SBNY ordered to close. Good morning on the ripple impact for maybe other regional banks. For that, let's bring in CBC.com banking reporter Hugh Sun. Hugh. How's it going, Brian? It's important really to discuss why this extraordinary action was taken today. There was the risk of multiple bank runs. Uh, and they took that contagion risk off the table, clearly. There were three banks that, in my discussions with VC investors and startup founders that were under particular duress, uh, First Republic, Signature, and PacWest. Two of those three are based in California. Signature, as we know, is being shut uh, today. 
Signature Bank was New York based and heavily involved in commercial property. It was the 19th largest bank in the United States and it was really heavily invested in cryptocurrency. In fact, it made up about a quarter of all deposits. So the crypto crash last year left it very exposed and had investors running away from banks that had strong crypto ties. Signature Bank also had a lot of what's called uninsured deposits. And what this means is basically the bank guarantees a certain amount of your money. So if you have your life savings with a certain bank, whatever one it happens to be, and all your accounts are there, but the bank goes bust in the morning, you're actually protected. In Ireland, the protection is up to €100,000 per person per institution. So if you're among the very richest of us, you can split your money up and that would guarantee you over €100,000. But in the United States, that guarantee is even higher. It's $250,000 per person with payouts coming from an insurance scheme which is funded by the banks themselves. Part of the problem for Signature Bank and for SVB was that they had large amounts of really wealthy clients who had deposits of more than $250,000. So when they started to sniff problems, they withdrew money to protect it elsewhere, which led to, uh, you're, you're starting to get it now, a run on Signature Bank, which also ended in it being taken over. And then more worry. The contagion appeared to be spreading. We start with the troubled global banking sector. European markets have closed down more than 3%, spooked by a major sell-off of shares in the Swiss banking giant Credit Suisse. Coming days after the collapse of the US-based Silicon Valley Bank, it's prompted fears of a full-blown crisis in the sector. Now, Credit Suisse had its own problems. It lost about a billion dollars investing in two investment funds, which collapsed. Its CEO had to resign in 2020 over allegations that the bank was spying on its crosstown rival, UBS. The bank board chairman resigned over allegations relating to breaches of COVID restrictions. And clients pulled out about $120 billion from the bank when rumours about its collapse started in 2022. Credit Suisse looked to borrow €54 billion Euro to get through the turmoil and its biggest lender, the Saudi National Bank, cut it off in March. Then the wave of withdrawals from investors spooked by SVB and Signature Bank failing was the nail in the coffin, with Credit Suisse being taken over by the aforementioned UBS. Then we get to the last and latest financial collapse. Shares of First Republic Bank falling again in pre-market trading after dropping nearly 50% on Tuesday alone following its report that customers withdrew about $100 billion in the first quarter. Take a look at this chart. Uh, the US regional lender has lost more than 90% of its value since the banking crisis began last month. First Republic Bank was facing a lot of similar problems to the ones that we've mentioned already. This was really a bank for the rich. That's what they focused on, high net worth clients. For example, for its home loans, it said that the median client it had for a personal mortgage had access to $685,000 in cash. So that means half its clients had more than $685,000 in cash immediately available at half below that number. Obviously much higher than average homeowners either in the US or pretty much anywhere else. Of course, that made them more vulnerable to the deposit insurance protection issues we were talking about. If you have got $700,000 sitting in your bank account 
uh, and then that bank collapses, you're only guaranteed to get 250,000 of that back, so well under half. Of course, you are going to move your money if you've any sort of sense at all. And these rich California types did so in a big way, withdrawing $100 billion in the first three months of this year. And after a bidding process, JP Morgan Chase has now taken over the bank. Yeah, yeah, no, 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 show you the money. Not, not show you, show me the money. Show me the money. Yes! Louder! Show me the money. That's it, brother, but you got to yell that shit. Show me the money. I need to feel you, Jerry. Show me the money. Jerry, you better yell. Show me the money! So you can see there are common threads across the collapses, declines in very specific sectors like tech and crypto putting pressure on certain assets, banks being overexposed to specific risks, rising interest rates, making existing bonds less attractive to sell and therefore bringing back less when they do have to be sold. And then, of course, that death knell really of losing the confidence of customers and investors, which led to a run on the banks. But it does make you question... If these banks have already fallen, are there others creaking that we just don't really know about yet? And researching this, I have to say I felt a little bit like Kent Brockman. Hordes of panicky people seem to be evacuating the town for some unknown reason. Professor, without knowing precisely what the danger is, would you say it's time for our viewers to crack each other's heads open and feast on the goo inside? Yes, I would, Kent. So I sent a slightly concerned voice note to News Talk's business editor, Joe Lynham. Joe, you are a rock of business sense in news talk. Calm me down a bit here because it would seem to lose one bank is unfortunate. To lose four is carelessness. Is it over-exaggerating to see shades of 2008 here? And is there any chance of the contagion spreading to, to Ireland or to other European banks even? I guess it's easy to worry that we might be back in 2007 and 2008 with three notable though mid-range banks collapsing in the United States, most recently, of course, First Republic from California. I don't think we are back there. Uh, And I'll tell you why, because banks are better capitalized, i.e. they have a much better cushion should things go wrong. But also the resolution facilities or the structures put in place after the financial crisis and the Eurozone crisis um, put in place by Europeans and American regulators to wind up banks if and when they become in jeopardy have worked. First Republic was bailed out over a weekend. Silicon Valley Bank was bailed out over a weekend. And so the contagion was stemmed at least on those instances. Uh, Now, of course, banks going bust uh, are not great for the economy simply because they damage confidence. You could say that Credit Suisse going bust in uh, March was a bit scary because that was a giant bank with a huge amount of capital. But it had had major problems for quite a few years. The fact that it was bought out by its arch rival UBS is the real talking point on that particular issue. But yes, banks need to be watched, they need to be carefully monitored, and they need to be well regulated because they are in the business of taking risks, and sometimes those risks don't always pay off, and sometimes the consumer or business customers are the big losers. But sometimes the wider economic area is the big loser. But I don't think we are back in the financial crisis era because things do look different. Well, if it's good enough for Joe... 
That's some of the inside track into what's gone on with the banks that have collapsed so far. Dare I say so far? It feels a little bit defeatist, but you just never know. There are definite questions to be asked about how the oversight of these banks in the US has been done. But as of now, it doesn't appear to be spreading to Europe and selfishly, more importantly, to Ireland. Sean Defoe presenting and producing today with editor John Kyo and Lachlan Hart on sound. I'll chat to you next week.